Isaiah 19. Verse 1. The burning of Egypt. Is it then? Behold, the Lord rided upon what? A swift cloud. Now, I want you to know that. How can the Lord be riding on a cloud? And the Bible says it's a swift one. Now, read on. And he said, And it shall come into Egypt, and the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence, and the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. The Lord riding into Egypt, what? In a swift cloud. Who is God? Hmm? Right. Now, remember, I'm dealing with cloud as the power of God in relation to the judgment of nations. Is that alright? So here, basically, this was supposed to be Sibor, the envoy of Pharaoh Tevnaki. Right? Actually, he was attempting to rally now in the Near East against Syria. Isaiah gave this prophecy between 718 and 701 BC. This was the envoy of Pharaoh. Right? He was trying to rally, you know, the Near East and things like that. But came in. Now, what I want you to pick here is God moved through an enemy against the nation. Are you getting that? God was coming in, but using a people to deal with. Now, remember, an idol is not just something that is molten or whatever. An idol is what you trust in, what you rely on, as the case may be. And God said he was going to deal with the idols of Egypt, and they are going to move out of his presence. At his presence. Is that all right? Okay, let me just give you another one. Ezekiel 30. Ezekiel 30. Verse 3. If you can quickly just open your Bible, the best you can do is just write down the scriptures, you go back home, and then you read. Ezekiel 30, verse 3. For the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near, a cloudy day. It shall be the time of the heavens. He's speaking the same thing. Right? In relation to the judgment of Egypt again. If you take time to read your Bible and maybe other nations. Okay. Let's look at it. Uh, move very quickly to that same Ezekiel 30, 18 to 19. Ezekiel 30, 18-19 At Tehaphenesis Also the day shall be darkened When I shall break the yokes of Egypt And the pomp of her strength shall cease in her As for her A cloud shall never cover her And her daughters shall go into captivity Thus will I execute judgment in Egypt and they shall know that I am the Lord. Did you get that? So, the judgment upon Egypt is what we're discussing here. And the Bible says it's going to be executing all of these as he rise through what? A swift cloud. But we know that God doesn't fly like a bird. So the cloud that is coming with has to do with a people that he was going to use to judge those nations. 
Does that make sense? Okay, let's take another one. Jerusalem and Judah. Jeremiah 4. God coming in a cloud. Jeremiah 4. Let's look at verse 13 to 14. Behold, he shall come up as clouds, and each carol shall be as whirlwind. He saws it as swifter than eagles. Woe unto us, for we are spoiled, O Jerusalem. Why is thy heart from wickedness? Thou that mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Praise the living God. History made us to understand this was probably the invasion of the Chaldeans in 605 BC. We also have the Scythians who between 630 and 625 BC occupied the Syrian-Palestinian borders. Speaking of the invasion of Jerusalem and Judah by this nation referred to as from the north. Because if you take time to read it, say they are coming from the north. The cloud is coming from the north. And when you use the word cloud, it's not just one nation here. It's talking about all the nations, inclusive, that are coming to invade Jerusalem and Judah. Praise the living God. What I'm pointing out to you is the issue of the use of the word cloud. Now you see, he comes in the cloud and the people he comes with represent his power. Because he is using them. Are you getting us now? So when you say he's coming in a cloud of power, it means he's coming in a people to judge rebellious people. We can even include his own people. <laughs> Are you seeing that? Okay. So we know that this is not talking about actual clouds up in the sky. That God is moving in the clouds and things like that. Praise the living God. But instead, God is acting in power to deliver his judgment also. Know that each of these have God using heathen armies. They were not Israel that he was using now. He was using other nations. In other words, see how it works. He can move in the heart of a king to declare war against a nation that he wants to destroy. And he will empower the people. It's just the same way he stirred the heart of Cyrus to make a decree. To deliver Israel from captivity. Are you getting that? Even so, he said, remember Cyrus was not, as it were, a believer. He was a heathen king. He was the king of Persia. But he stayed his house and Cyrus made a decree. And they laid the temple and got the people back from captivity. Same picture. God stirs up a people. If he wants to do with a nation, he stirs up a king to go into war with that nation. And he empowers the people to get the victory. They are fighting for him. Are you getting that? So, in that process, the Bible referred to such people, such group of movement as what? Clouds. Praise the Lord. Let's look at the judgment of Nineveh in the book of Nahum. Look at Nahum chapter 1, 2, and 6. Just write it down. I know if I ask you to open Nahum now. Maybe we'll close service. You're still looking for it. We'll be hidden between somewhere in your Bible. You have never even opened that book. Nahum chapter 1. Let's look at verse 2 to 6. A little bit of a long reading. I don't know if I can be able to finish with that. But just let me read a few things here. God is jealous. And the Lord revenged. The Lord revenged and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. 
and he shall reserve wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. We not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord had the Lord had his way in the wild wind and in the storm and what? In the clouds. Okay, and he said, and the clouds are dust of his feet. He rebuked the sea and make it dry and dried up all the rivers. Basham languished and can Carmel and flower of Lebanon language at the mountains quake at him and the hills melt and the earth is bound at his presence. Yea, the wall and all that were therein who can stand before his indignation. And on and on and on, you can keep on reading. Is that alright? Now, this is actually a judgment against Nineveh. And we know that Nineveh from record BC 612, Nineveh was destroyed by the Assyrians. The Assyrians destroyed Nineveh in 612 BC. So this writing in the cloud that is coming to Nineveh was the Assyrians, but God was using them. Did you get that? Praise the living God. You can have a similar picture in the book of Zephaniah. If you want to. Zephaniah 1. If you look at 1417. Just write it down. Zephaniah 1, 1417. The grace of the Lord is near, it is near, and he is there greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of the wastelessness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds. And thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and the alarming against the fenced city and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. And so on and so forth. You know, just keep on reading all of that, you see. Go back, check your Bible. You can also write it down, the book of Joel chapter 2, 1 to 9. Read it. You're going to talk about a day of clouds. The book of Joel chapter 9. A day of darkness, of gloomness, a day of clouds. Day of clouds is not talking about clouds up in the sky, several clouds forming. It's simply talking about the people invading. Armies coming. Is that alright? So if you talk, anytime the Lord uses the word a day of clouds, he's simply saying judgment is coming. And I will use the people, I'm going to empower people to invade you. For your rebellion, your disobedience, your wickedness against me. Hallelujah. So, that is the point. I just want you to know these things and uh, you should be able to pick them. So, let's move on and let's look at another aspect of the use of the word cloud. But that's the primary one and I want you to hold that strongly at the back of your mind because it's going to explain a few things to us in the New Testament where the Bible says... <laughs> The Lord is sitting and coming in the clouds of heaven. Is that okay? So I want you to keep that strong. Now let's go to number two use of the word cloud, like I said. It's the glory of God. The glory of God. Cloud as the glory of God. I'm going to give you two, three scriptures on this. Look at Exodus 33. Exodus 33. So don't forget. First cloud we dealt with is the judgment of God using the people who can be heathens. The number two cloud is the glory of God. Exodus 33 verse 10 to 11. Here the Bible says, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, and every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as the man speaking unto his friend. 
And he turned again unto the camp, but the servant Joshua, the son of Norm, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Amen. A glory cloud came. But Moses called the people. Remember that. So this is the glory of God. Now when the Bible tells Joshua stood right there. In other words, he was by the cloud. He was not up in the sky, floating somewhere. What it means is he was right there in the presence of God. Because the glory cloud was God's manifestation. It was a theophanic expression of God. It was a revelation of God's glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the living God. Let's take another scripture in the book of 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. This is when Solomon finished building the tabernacle. And then the dedication of the tabernacle of Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 8. Let's look at verse 10 and 11. 1 Kings 8, 10 and 11. Look at what he says. And it came to pass when the priests were out, were come out of the holy place, that the cloud, note it, the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So cloud speaks of God's glory. Hallelujah. Are we together? One more scripture on that. Exodus 40, verse 33. Cloud speaks of God's glory. Exodus 40, 33. Look at what it says. There's a tabernacle of Moses. And the rail of the court round about the tabernacle. Exodus 40, 33. And the altar. And set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then... What happened? A cloud covered the tent of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord filled what? The tabernacle. Now if you go back to Acts chapter 1, the Bible says a cloud received them out of their sight. Are you following? A cloud received them out of their sight. Now here. The Bible says as soon as Moses finished putting everything in order in the tabernacle, a cloud came in. Now you can begin to understand the cloud that took away Jesus. Are you there? Look at verse 35. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode therein. I mean therein. And the glory of the Lord did what? Fill the tabernacle. So, when God is coming to his tabernacle, he comes as a cloud. Or with the cloud. Is that alright? When you say the, you are being specific. The cloud. It's a unique thing or something very unique or very specific you are trying to address or make known. The cloud. A cloud. is different from just me. You know, everything else, whatever. Amen? Okay. Let's look at this in relation to Revelation 15, verse number 8. Revelation 15, verse number 8. Write it down, if you can just go there right quick. Revelation 15, verse 8. Look at what it says. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. 
And from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. So you see, you can connect the smoke to the same as the same thing as what? As a cloud that filled the tabernacle. Praise the Lord. Amen? So we find that going through the entire Old Testament, the language of the cloud is expressly explained. They are prophetic languages, synonymous of God's glory and is coming in power. Amen? Hallelujah. So now I want us to take a look, a little bit of New Testament passages and the third dimension of the application of the word cloud. Like I said, I promise you three dimensions of the application prophetically of the word cloud. So that when you read about cloud, you should have been thinking about the atmosphere. You should be thinking about the lumbus and the cumulus. You know, this geographical thing. We're not dealing with that. We're not talking about a cloud forming. A rain is about to fall. Jesus is not riding on a cloud that is full of rain. But in again, yes, he's riding in a cloud that is full of rain. And that's what I'm about to show you. Because the cloud that have no rain are people without the Holy Spirit. Is that alright? So clouds are the people. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Praise God. Hebrews 12. Let's look at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sink with us so easily betethered, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Clouds of witnesses. Who are these cloud of witnesses? This cloud here speaks of the heroes of faith in chapter 11. All those people, Sarah, Samson, Jephthah, Abraham, all those people you call heroes of faith, David, Gideon, Samuel. The Bible says, we are compassed about. You know what that means? It's like you are in a stadium and you are playing football and you see the people sitting all around on the stand. Is that okay? That is what it means. This thing is taken from the perception of the Hebrew amphitheater when things are going on. People stand and you have the people right on the pitch. Is that okay? So all the people surrounding speaks of what you call clouds. Are you there with me? So clouds speaks of the people. So here we are talking about Abraham, Samson, Jacob, you know, mention all the people who are called the heroes of faith. The Bible says, and the good picture about it, just part of what I'm about to share with you on Sunday. You find here that the Bible says they are watching us. Now, let me illustrate it in a simple way for you to understand. You, some of us, everybody have been to school, been to primary school, where you are doing your inter-house sports. Is that okay? What happened? You see people standing by and some are cheering you and you are running. You are on the track. Is that alright? Now, normally in like inter-house sports thing, you find that you belong to a house, so you are running to win for that house and things like that. Those of your house members, they cheer you the more because they want you to go on. So basically what this place is telling us is, man, these people, though we can't see them, they are seeing us and they are saying, please keep running. They are cheering us on. Run, you will be able to finish. They are encouraging us. We don't see them, but they see you. 
Because they are in the celestial dimension. We are in the terrestrial dimension. But they are seeing you, but you can't see them. So they are watching. That's what the Bible says. They are watching us. That's why when you get down to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, you say you have come to Mount Zion, the church of the living God. Amen? The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the thirdborn, with the innumerable company of angels, and the spirits of just men made perfect. They are watching you, but you don't see them, but they are seeing you. People like Solomon can be wondering at this moment, is it possible to make it? They are out there watching you. So God is right. Life does not end here. Amen? Remember we said that before? The other Sunday? When you drop the flesh, you're moving on. Hallelujah. So these guys are watching on. Now the Bible refers to them as what? Clouds. Praise the living God. Okay. Let me show you another one. Now don't you forget, we're dealing with the issue of at the end of the day, Jesus coming in clouds. So which, which cloud are you describing? When you begin to read of Jesus coming in the cloud, then you should be able to say which of the cloud you're talking about. Is it the cloud of judgment? And to whom is it coming? As in the form of the cloud of judgment. Or is it in the cloud of glory? Which temple is he visiting? Or is he coming with a cloud filled with water? Who are these corporate people that he has distributed himself into and they are moving to demonstrate his glory and power? Are you getting this? Okay. Let's go to Jude. Jude is one chapter. Jude is the next book to Revelation. Revelation, of course, is not the last book. But you can just say it's the last book. Jude is the next book to the last book. All right? Okay, are you there with me? Let's now read the verse number 9. Book of Jude. You have all of that. You can keep reading. But he said, Yet Michael the archangel, when he contended with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him railing accusation. But said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know natural brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they've gone in the way of Cain. What happened to Cain? He killed Abel, his brother. Is that alright? And have run greedily after the arrow of Balaam. What happened to Balaam? He was prophesying for money. A prophesy, you pay me and promote me. Alright? For reward. And perish in the gain saying of Kor. Kore and the people that came together work against Moses. Is that okay? Those who try to resist constituted authority. So, what's the three dimensional people? Those are key, their brothers. You can do that with your tongue. Those are prophesied for money, doing ministry for reward. Is that okay? Corey, those who want to resist constituted authority. Leading gangs. Okay. So, here we go. Verse 12. These are sporting your feast of charity. What's the feast of charity? Your fellowship. Is that alright? When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Look at that. Are you there with me? Clouds, they are without water. Is it there? Carried about our wings. What are wings? Doctrines. Trees with fruit, withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. 
raging waves of the sea, forming out their own shame, wandering stars. Oh, stars shall fall. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Did you get that? Praise the living God. So Yahweh said that this cloud we're dealing with how to do with the people who are not walking in the light of God's spirit. They could be Christians, they could be believers, but they don't have the mind of God. They don't have the mind of Christ. You see, they are clouds without water. Right? Cain and Abel were supposed to be brothers. So they were believers in the household of Adam and Eve. Are you there with me? And they were talking about Balaam. Balaam was such a prophet who could see visions. Even without his eyes closed. He started looking at you, he's seeing visions. And he fell for money. For promotion, for wealth. Corey, like I said, with these people that came together, led a gang to resist Moses. And the Bible says these are clouds without water. Praise the living God. Are you there with me? So now, if you are not Cain ministry, if you are not Balaam, if you don't have the spirit of Corey, you are pure, clean before God. Who are you? Clouds, wheat, water. So clouds are people. Nothing to do with the atmosphere. It's not to do with the stratosphere. I want people to get their mind of this atmosphere still looking up and expecting Jesus to float from the sky and things like that. Praise the living God. Now, was speaking to me a few days ago. We really have a lot of kindergarten people in the faith. Kindergarten. I share with Maxwell. When the brother came here trying to bring in some argument and all that, incidentally, we're about to share this. The night, the Lord made me see myself walking like a general with peeps and everything. And I'm so little children in the same uniform, but no peeps and all that. We are playing in the mud. Kindergarten. And I was trying to get them out of the mud. Other ones were just doing parade with military uniform, but no, no rank, nothing. And the uniform were not even in place. Shoes were outside and very rough looking. And I was passing by, all of them begin to salute. There are rankings in the spirit. I'm telling you the truth. Doesn't matter what people think, doesn't matter what they say, but if you know who you are, if you know what God is saying to you, and you stay with who God says you are, there are rankings in the spirit. The Lord will just make me to say, forget about that man. He's a, he's a kindergarten man. He has uniform, but not even a correct one. And playing in the mud. Are you getting what I'm talking about? He's serious. So I'm talking of a people who are clouds of glory. So you need to begin to define which of his comings are you talking about. When he says coming in the cloud, which cloud do you mean? Is it the cloud of judgment? Or the cloud as his glory to fill the temple? Or it's coming as a cloud, as a corporate people filled with the Holy Spirit. Which cloud do you mean? Jesus is coming in the cloud. Yes, I believe. But which one? Hallelujah. People say, Pastor, you don't believe. I believe more than you do. It's you that doesn't believe. And be honest. 
Praise the Lord. So we know that Jesus, actually, in all of the scriptures, fulfilled the shadows. Is that alright? Okay. Look at Hebrews 8, chapter 5, talks about fulfilling the shadows and all the heavenly things. So, let's look at something here now in the New Testament about this issue of cloud or remaining 10 minutes that we got here. Let's look at that. Mighty 17. Mighty 17. Praise God. And I'm going to give you some little text now as we're reading this. You should be able to tell me now. <laughs> Praise God. You should be able to tell me something now because I'm going to ask you. Mighty 17. Look at verse 3 to 5. But you can read from verse 1 if you want. Talks about that six day, Jesus took them onto the mountain and transfigured before them. And while that was going on, as he was praying and fasting, I mean, his countenance changed. And look at verse number three. The Bible says, And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Amen. And remember, we dealt with this last two weeks. If Moses and Elijah could come and talking to the people, it simply means when you drop the flag, that is not the end of the business. Are you still there? Okay. Uh, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou will not let us, I mean, make a three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Why yes, speak? Look at that. Behold, what happened? A bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son in whom I will please hear ye him. Can I ask you a question? What kind of cloud is this? <laughs> eh? The cloud of glory. The cloud of glory. The same that came to the tabernacle. The very vehicle of the expression of God. Did you get that? The cloud of glory. But you see, if you don't get this thing from the Old Testament, you can't get the true meaning in the New Testament because the old is the symbol and then the new is the fulfillment of those symbols. Hallelujah. So they were not in a fog, just like maybe you're on the high sea and there's a fog, you cannot see invisibility. They were not in a the fog. They were wrapped up in the glory of God. The same that appeared and it made it difficult, First Kings chapter 8, that Levi, the priest, could not minister in the temple. The same glory cloud came and that is what enveloped Peter, James, and John. And from that presence of God, the voice came. This is my beloved son in whom world. I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. That is every message. And we've spoken on that several times. What he's saying in Moses brought a message. Because mercy represents the law. Elijah represents the prophet. And hear what the Bible says in Hebrews 1. God we spoke in sundry trends. In diverse manners. Through the prophet. Is that okay? He's speaking to us today through what? His son. So what he's saying is, get off these people. Don't be paying attention to them. You better pay attention to this, my son. Because everything they said, find their fulfillment in him. And it is only what he says that I'm going to work with. It's not the law. That's what he's saying. It's what he says, that is the answer. That's where I stand today. I am the one that said that before. I am the one that sent these people. But listen to him now. Praise God. Are you following so far? 
Very important you understand this. So everything, the old God fulfilling Christ, cloud as well. But let me just read one scripture and then maybe Mark chapter 14. We're going to pick up from here uh, maybe next week. Let's, let's look at Mark 14. Uh, am I correct? Verse 62? I don't know. Let's see if that is what I want. Is it Mark or Matthew? Well, let's see. Mark 14. Let me see. Oh. There's a trial of Jesus as well. And Jesus said, 62, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Who can tell me what cloud this is? <laughs> Hello? People? No, 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 no. This basically is talking about the judgment to Israel. That's where you see the word power there. Right hand of power is a place of judgment. It's a place of authority. It's a place of power. Did you get that? You know that what he's saying in yeah, you better watch me. You may want to condemn me now, but I'm going to come in the cloud of heaven in power. You say, I'm going to be sitting down at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now, can I tell you something? The cloud of heaven, you have to do with Israel. I mean, the Roman soldiers. Just like you use the Assyrians. To destroy Jerusalem. Huh? That's not a cloud of glory, but a cloud of judgment. Are you there so far? Okay. So, watch it. I uh, may not be able to explain all of that. There is one God. Is that alright? So when you begin to say, sitting at the right hand of God as if there are two people. What he's trying to say is, he's executing the authority of the one whom he represents in this dimension. Is that alright? Is that alright? Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's move on just a moment. Uh, one more scripture. I think we should be able to do with that. Uh, if you really want to understand the right hand of God, you should be able to know what Jesus was quoting. He was quoting from the book of Psalms. Psalm 110. Look at verse 1 and you'll be able to see that. Psalm 110. Talk about making your enemy as your footstool. So you should understand that. All right. Then um, what else can we take now? Oh, man. Time is not on our, on our side. I think we'll be able to... Let's read one more scripture here and then we'll close for today. Then we'll continue from here next week. Let's look at Mighty 22. Mighty 22. And then 42 to 46. Mighty 22, 42 to 46. Saying... What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. He said unto them, How then doth David in his spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord say unto my Lord, Sit down on my right hand, till I make thy enemy thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither does any man from that day forth ask him any more question. So when he said, The Lord, which is God, said to my Lord, the Messiah. Is that okay? Praise the living God. This is basically the exhortation of Jesus Christ. To the place of authority, to the place of dominion, to the place of glory. In terms of sitting at the right hand of God. Praise the living God. Amen? So, I think uh, next week 
We're going to continue from here. I would like to stop today. But don't forget, three things I've made you to see. Is that alright? Because then next week we're going to be dealing with the issue of Revelation 1, verse number 7. Can somebody tell me what that's supposed to mean? Coming in the clouds, every eye shall see him, and even those that pierce him. What cloud could that be? <laughs> clouds of judgment. Amen. Those who pierce him, you're going to find the book of Zechariah 12, you're going to find the book of Psalm 22, are the Jewish people. Right? And they have to see his judgment come to them. Meaning, revelation got fulfilled before A.D. 70. Because for everyone who pierced him, they saw. When the judgment came to Israel. Is that okay? We deal fully with that next week. And I'll be able to see precisely the issue of where the pierced him. I'll give you scriptures that relate to the pierced from the Old Testament so that you can understand the people that pierced him, that saw him come in the clouds of heaven. God bless you.